Hello. Hey. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio. 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago here till 4 o'clock. little late start here after that Hawks game. Very disappointing. Hawks season is over, which is uh, sad. Um, you know, but Vegas is a good team, man. Big, deep, you know what I mean? Telling you. But uh, you got to love the Hawks. You got to love them. We're going to play a Blackhawks Express back later on? Yes, we will. Okay. It's not a good one, but we'll play it. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, uh, 312-981-7200. We'd love to hear from uh, you. And uh, coming up at uh, at 3.30, we have uh, Know Your Onion. This is when uh, we take our first two callers. They are the contestants. And the idea is Tom will read some news headlines, and you have to decide whether they are real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. And then you win things. Things are fun to win. So uh, that's coming up at uh, 3.30. Classic comedy Carson. Carson comedy Carson. Johnny Carson show uh, is on every night on Antenna TV. And uh, we suggest that you watch it because it's awesome. And we're going to play back some uh, Albert Brooks from 1983. Albert Brooks, one of my favorite people ever. Uh, And uh, just a a genius. So uh, a little visit from Albert Brooks. From 1983, and that'll happen at uh, 2.30. Got a couple of guests uh, this morning. Sean Kathleen is the creator of a, uh Instagram account called Passenger Shaming. She spent some time as a flight attendant um, and has seen some stuff. As you're prone to see on, on planes, people seem to act a little weirder when they're on planes with some inappropriate behavior and some weird stuff. And uh, Sean Kathleen uh, shares those uh, <laughs> shares those those posts with folks, spent some time as a flight attendant, and uh, saw some very strange things. So the creator of Passenger Shaming is going to join us. That's uh, Sean Kathleen. Uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman is going to join us. Um, she is an award-winning uh, author and a, a Beverly Hills psychiatrist. And we're going to talk about Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink brain chip that will uh, that he says will allow users to take charge of their moods and emotions. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that uh, with uh, with Dr. Uh, Lieberman. So that's coming up. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. We are also going to talk about public behavior that bothers people the most. And. Um, Tom, you've you've encountered people who do stupid stuff in public, right? I think we all have, you know, in one way or another. I've got a few pet peeves, most yeah. of them pertaining to uh, riding the red line. I was going to say, most of this stuff that we're going to talk about <laughs> has to involve the CTA, correct? Oh, yeah. I've seen some stuff on the CTA. You ever see people clipping their toenails in the CTA? You know, when I came to this city to go to college in 2012, I never thought in my life that I would have a running tally at one point at the number of people who were clipping their toenails. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? It's beyond, you know, it's weird because fingernails, I could maybe understand. No, not even that. I th- I think it's gross, but, you know, it's on your hand. You know, it's right there in front of you. Yeah. To clip your toenails, you must not be wearing shoes or maybe wearing sandals. Yeah. And you thought, you know what, I'm in this metal tube full of many people all trapped until they're 
destination, I might as well clip my toenails. I know. I don't want I don't to understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand the logic. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't understand how somebody can't find that completely inappropriate. I guess they don't want people to think that they have long toenails. Yeah, well, I, just, I don't know. People aren't going to know you have long toenails if you just keep your shoes on. Yeah, until they'll know you have long toenails when one of them uh, flicks up and hits them in the eye. Yeah, as you're clipping them. Public behavior. You got to act like a. You know. Clipping nails. I just don't. I mean, that is just. It's beyond comprehension to me how somebody could do that. Take off your shoe. Take off your sock. On the L, start clipping. I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't get it. Well, that's the kind of behavior that we're going to be talking about, and I know that we're going to hear some of those kind of stories when we talk with uh, passenger uh, passenger shaming uh, with Sean uh, Kathleen. You've seen you've you've traveled via air. I have a few times here in my you, life. You, you've seen anything? Uh, you've experienced anything? ridiculous for behavior wise by other passengers yeah i was on a plane to uh buffalo new york once and um this was just recently right yeah it was late late last year yeah, yeah late last year yeah on a plane to, to buffalo new york and uh a young woman decided it was appropriate i was sitting on the uh, window seat a young woman thought it was appropriate to stick her bare foot right between the uh you know the the window the cat, you know, the cabin wall and the window, and uh, place it gently, like on my shoulder. Come on, dead serious. I was like, I turned, I poked her foot. She's like, "Hey, man, can you not do that?" I said, "Hey, man, can you not put your nasty foot on my shoulder?" Were she you put, born in a she, barn? She put your, she put her foot on your shoulder. Yeah, that's absurd. Well, and then she was put off by it. Yeah, she was put off when I like touched her foot she's like don't touch me i was like that's that seems a little ironic don't you think a little rich coming from miss lady barefoot it's funny that you said you said you find that a little ironic don't you think okay alanis (laughs) (laughs) i you know fine don't you think if you would have not said don't you think i wouldn't have brought it up you know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I don't know what to tell oh, you. Oh, man. All it's right. like rain on your wedding day. Exactly, you know? which is not ironic. It's just a bummer. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Sean Kathleen, uh, former flight attendant. Um, Rolling Stone Magazine calls this one of the best a- in uh, uh, Instagram accounts of all time, uh, and that's passenger shaming. Former flight attendant. We'll get some stories from her coming up right here on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we are live in the Skyline studio uh, in downtown Chicago. 312-981-7200 is the uh, number if you would like to join us. Uh, my guest right now is a, um, a former flight attendant who uh, has started, a, uh, had started a, uh, an Instagram uh, account called Passenger Shaming. 
Um, and Rolling Stone magazine picked it as one of the best 100 best Instagram accounts. Um, and uh, it, it's uh, it's a pretty funny um, uh, Instagram account and uh, uh, by a, a very interesting woman who put it together. Her name is Sean Kathleen. And let's welcome Sean Kathleen to the show. Sean th- Kathleen, th- welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, you have an, a really interesting uh, background. Before you uh, actually became mm-hmm. a flight attendant, you were actually uh, uh, you were actually a cop. I was okay. It was a hundred years ago. I'm very <laughs> old, <laughs> but yes, I I was a police officer. Actually, before that, I was an EMT. And then that became, I turned into a paramedic at some point, because you can know you can do that a little bit younger, 18, and then police officer at 21. So I was kind of like in that, you know, that world for a while before I went and hit the skies. So so where were you as a police officer? What, What city? I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I worked in a suburb of that area. So obviously, I don't say where, but yeah, it yeah. wasn't like the, the city proper. Um, so it was it was pretty chill. It was fun. I mean, we did some cool things, and um, like I said, I was twenty one. Uh, so this was quite a while ago. I mean, a few years. Um, I'm kidding. And so <laughs> uh, I was the only female at the time. We had a great. We, it was awesome. It was like I had all these big brothers and. Um, um, you know, they took care of me, and we it, we had a great time. So, so you, you were fun. the you were the only female, uh, but they but they did they did take care of you. The guys did. Oh my god, they told they took care of me. I couldn't pull over a vehicle without you know all of them pulling out, you know, coming over to help me out because we worked third shift. Um, oh. but we were like, I say we, we were like the new guys, you know, on the on the in the department at the time. So. Um, yeah, they were so fantastic, and yeah, yeah they weren't going to let anything happen to me. So I was pretty, I was set there. I was very set. That's very cool. But how did you get into that? What, what what made you go? You know what? I want to be a police officer. Um, that's a funny story. I'll try to make it really quick. So I was working. This is so embarrassing, a little bit even. I was working as. I was working on a mobile ICU, and I was driving that vehicle as an. And it might have even been only as an EMT at that time. I don't know if I was a medic yet, or I was transitioning. You know, going through school because, like I said, I was younger. So I had taken the uh, medic out to go fuel it. So I was by myself. You yeah. know, nobody was with me. I got hit by a car. Oh no! Totally fi- I was fine. It was totally fine. Like you know, it was just like it, it was damage only. And I, I I got a ticket, and um, the police officer that wrote me a ticket, we became friends. Oh no! And then and then he and his buddies who worked in that area, you know, would just show up at our uh, base uh, because it was like, hey, wow, cool new fun people and nurses and medics and EMTs, and it was a place to hang out because it was not in the greatest area and. Uh, so that became a thing. We became friends. And then at one point, you know, a couple of years later, they're like, you know, you should really be a cop. And I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> literally, like, that's how it happened. That's literally how it happened. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll try it. And what, so what... <laughs> I, I got through, I got through like, and went, um, you know, of course, I went through the application pro- uh, process. And then, you know, of course, the police academy, which uh, the one that I attended was part time. And in the evening, so it wasn't like the full time. I mean, it's exactly the same 
things and protocols and testing and all of that stuff that you have to do. Yeah. It was just that, you know, you got to do it, um, it, you know, um, in the evening. So it took a little bit longer than if you did it like, you know, for like the, however many months, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. So I, I I didn't realize that they, I, I, I never realized that they actually had the opportunity of part-time training. Uh, That's, that's interesting. yeah, right. It be, I think because, like I said, it was a suburb, and so the academy that I went to, we house, you know, and I don't know, like within your area, you know, all the different um, like suburbs. So it could have been maybe ten different suburbs, and then we all just went to the same one. Um, and because they weren't huge departments at the time, I mean, to be honest, now they're crazy big um but then they weren't and uh so i doubt that's really an option anymore right but this is this was probably the early 90s okay so keep that in mind yeah okay. all right how long were you a police officer um i think it was like a little bit less than seven years it seems to be my sweet spot of where i get <laughs> sick of something right. and then i move on once i hit like that six and a half seven year mark i'm like oh bye okay next <laughs> you know that's like my thing i don't know <laughs> all right so seven years as a police officer the next thing you did you did you move into uh, uh into flight attendant at that point no, um, I was, then I got, I got married, which is why I stopped being a police officer. Not that you can't be married. Right. <laughs> it was just, you know, it worked out that way. I had babies and, um, I stayed at home, uh, as a mom for a while. And, um, so to be honest, that was basically after being a flight attendant, probably the hardest job. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I did that, and then I, I went through a divorce, um, and then I had to get a job outside. You know, I was like, oh, great. Yeah, so thank God we're friends and everything's awesome. But it, it just it was like just this, this random thing, you know, years a few years after that, and a couple girlfriends and I were like, oh, this sounds cool and glamorous. Let's try it. Uh, no, so that, that was it. <laughs> what yeah. is what does one do to train to be a flight attendant? What's the process like before you actually become a um, flight attendant? It's really difficult. Um, I know people like to kind of, you know, you know, kind of like write it off, like, oh wow, you know. I'm like, wow, you, what do you do? Oh, I just like I pour soda for a living, you know. Like, <laughs> it's not like that hard, right? But I'm telling you, it is so competitive and when i tell you so back in the day so to even like like pre everything else that we discussed at some point in there and don't i I can't remember the year but i'm gonna say it was had to be well it had to be the the early 90s or late 80s Well, well it had to be because I had to be 21, I took the NYPD test, right? And um, because I have family in New York City and I was there off and on quite a bit, um, you know, for summers and and all that stuff with family. Point being that that I'm bringing that up is that there was something like 20,000 people that took the same test that I took. And um, I will tell you, that's exactly what it's like uh, with a lot of of, people. flight attendant positions where they're, you know, I've seen, I've seen the articles where they say it's more difficult to get into Harvard than it is to, to, uh, or I'm seeing, I'm sorry, Delta than it is to get into Harvard. I know like, you know, I, I, 
due to some numerical equation, I don't know, but it's it's so competitive. So once you get through, then um, I will tell you it's it's kind of when I say difficult. I mean you, you're that's all you're doing. I mean you have to pass every test. You know the federal aviation regulation um, is is taking care of everything as far as, you know, you have to hit certain land, you know, certain markers throughout, including getting at least a 90% on every test. And then, you know, the way that you need to pass certain things. So it's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty intense and it can be. Wow. So, so competitive, by saying competitive, does that mean that uh, the, the, the other flight attendants, want the positions and they fight for it is that is that what you mean mm-hmm. well yeah i mean it's competitive as, as as far as it's just really difficult to get a job I you see. know like they're yeah with a lot of these issues you know you have to be up you know way up here i'm putting my hand way up like you know and and uh so it's competitive in that nature gotcha where you know yeah tw- like twenty thousand people are applying for let's say you know 600 positions so that's what i mean Jeez. By that. wow isn't it crazy and yeah. and like i said crazy story they don't only really pour coca-cola you know it's so weird but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so that's what it takes to be a uh to be a flight attendant i never i never thought that it would be that uh competitive or that uh complicated to to become a flight attendant that's fascinating now. yeah yeah it is nowadays so i was you know i was this was the the late two or mid two thousands for me. It was two thousand and six ish for yeah. me. Okay. So if that gives you an idea, um, of course at this point you're not going to get a job. I mean, I don't think there are any, right? So you know, because I do still get people that ask me that kind of a question. Um, but it, it it's up until let's just say the end of last year, I was like, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. I would, to get ima- in. I would imagine one- that, you know, like, cause you said it was the mid two thousands. I would imagine that, uh, things had changed after September 11th and it probably, sure, sure. It, it probably became even more competitive. You know what I mean? After, after that and, the, sure. and, and how the world of travel completely changed after that. I totally agree with you. Um, I, although I didn't, you know, do it pre nine 11, I just flew like a, like a regular, you know, customer. Yeah. That's all I did. And yeah. it was a, it was a lot. However, I only worked as a flight attendant post nine 11. And I agree with you 100%. Um, okay. because I don't think that the, the, the guys and gals who are flying prior to that probably had to deal with some of the stuff that we, I bet. With, yeah. You know? Well, well I, okay. And, I, we're going to take a break. Sean Kathleen, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Kathleen sure. is my guest and she is the uh, creator of passenger sh- uh, shaming which Rolling Stone Magazine picked as one of the best, uh, 100 best uh, Instagram accounts. I can't wait to get into this, uh, Sean Kathleen. We're going to jump into sure. that, and uh, and uh, we'll talk all about that uh, Instagram account, passenger shaming. Uh, she spent uh, some time as a flight attendant and saw some stuff, as you would imagine, because there's some stuff to see <laughs> on airplanes. <laughs> and we'll jump into that. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. How you doing? We are live in the Skyline studio here 
Uh, we're here till four o'clock, um, as we are uh, every uh, morning. It's Wednesday, which means we'll have a, a round of Know Your Onion coming up a little bit later on. We'll get two contestants in, and Tom will read some news headlines, and you have to guess whether they are real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Sean Kathleen is my guest. She is the creator of Passenger Shaming. Uh, she's a former flight attendant and has some, seen some stuff on these planes. Uh, Sean Kathleen, welcome. Thank you. So how did passenger shaming begin? Um, so when I was a flight attendant, and this was actually back in 2007, I started a blog called Rants of a Sassy Stew, meaning me being, you know, the sassy stew stewardess. <laughs> right. um, and it me ranting about the crazy things that, were, that I was seeing um, in the air and the questions people would ask me which you wouldn't even believe but um so i was flying at the time and so this was a new job for me right and um i i had never done anything like that i will say you know the closest thing to me for you know working with the you know as far as working with the public was as a police officer um and a paramedic yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you know i wasn't nor yeah i wasn't used to to not having a gun, first of all, and um, I'm kidding. But <laughs> um, as far as, you know, like dealing with the public is what I meant to say. And um, and so, you know, I had never worked retail or waited tables or anything of that nature, so it was pretty different. So I just needed a little outlet and something to, uh, you know, get rid of just – I don't know. I was just going crazy as far as the things that were happening and what I would see. So I would just start writing everything down. And um, so I actually had a piece, like an actual journal, like with paper, because this is 2007, right. and a pen. Right. <laughs> and I would go back to the galley during a flight after, you know, somebody would be, you know, would, would you know, hit the ball or hit the, uh, I'm sorry, the call button you know, ring the bell, and I'd go out over there and say, you know, can I help you? And they'd say, and this is three hours into the flight, um, are we moving? And I'd be like, what? <laughs> so um, I, I would go back and write about it in my um, my little journal. And uh, essentially, you know, my colleagues would start reading what I was writing. It was, very, it was comedic, but it was 100% true. Like, I didn't change anything except for the uh, the locations, the number of flight attendants, because with that information, people, especially within the aviation industry, will know where you work in two seconds. And I needed to keep it anonymous. You know, I was yeah, still sure. working as a flight attendant. Sure. So I started a blog on Blogspot, if you remember that back I in do. the day. I do, I do, yes, yes. Yes, it was great. And then it actually became pretty popular, and I was like, ooh, I'm fancy. And I started, you know, I, I bought my own domain, you know, rantofassassistu.com, and, you know, this is back then. And, um, and you know, it just kind of, I hate to say took off. Oh, my God, kill oh. me for that one. But <laughs> I know that's, I did not mean it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, that's so, that's awful. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and uh, so... But it did. It, it did well. Let's say that. And um, and then about six to seven years ago, I feel like it's been almost seven years. Uh, I went ahead and decided to do an offshoot um, of the Sassy Stew website, and I came up with the name Passenger Shaming, and I wanted to make it exclusively photographs. And um, 
it was pretty awesome because I can promise you when people read this stuff that I wrote on my on that blog, they thought it was fiction. But now at least I was like I had I took a little bit of like mm, pride in the fact that I was like now I can really show that what I was saying was all true because yeah. they could see it in picture. <laughs> yeah. So I felt I felt like vindicated. Like see, I wasn't lying. Not that people were accusing me of that, but you know it was just so outlandish. But. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so I just went photographs and I, video. I'm not surprised, you know, that there's been, that there are, uh, you know, just some ridiculous, outrageous behavior on uh, mm-hmm. on planes. Uh, I don't travel uh, very often, and and even in the limited time that I have traveled, and I've traveled, I've been around, uh, I've seen sure. weird, I've seen weird stuff on planes, and, and I, 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 I can't, <laughs> right? I can't imagine, you know, being a flight attendant or being on planes as often as you were and not seeing stuff that was just like ridiculous. Um, right. So I'm not surprised by it at all. Um, so what are some of the uh, what? Are, so what do you think it is about people that are that are interested in, in, in reading about badly behaved passengers? Well, I mean, it's funny, first of all, because, I mean, this it's all visual. I mean, as far as right now, you know, the passenger shaming Instagram account, which is where everything is, you know. It's fun to scroll through, you know, like that's how that's that's society now, right? I don't know how about you, but you know, you know, the quick fix and you're looking through and you see it and it's crazy stuff, Um, you know, photographs and the videos. Um, So I guess one, you know, it's there's a little of that element of, you know, maybe, you know, you know, getting a good gig, a lot of somebody doing something ridiculous. And um, uh, but also I will say, People, it is a little, it is an educational tool as well, to be honest. I, I, it's it's pretty great. I get messages from people who say, oh, my God, I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm so mortified, and I didn't know that I couldn't, you know, that that, not that I couldn't, but because, you, you know, but that I shouldn't do that. And I'm like, well, aren't you like 48? I don't know. Like, I'm kidding. So, but like, <laughs> I, like well, aren't you an adult? <laughs> so give me some examples of, of some of the things that you've seen on, uh, on flights uh, that you just like, what, what is going on? Uh, t- t- give me some examples of some of your favorites. Yeah. yeah. The big offenders would be, you know, if you're, if you've ever been to our Instagram, it's the feet. I can't yep. with the bare feet. Yep. Like if we could just, I don't even really understand what is so difficult with keeping, you know, at least clean socks on your feet is. Right, so, you right. know, but I mean, it's bare feet and it's not just bare feet. It's that they're, you know, up on your headrest, you know, like you're sitting in an airplane and then, you know, you go to turn your head and there's like some toes next to your face <laughs> oh, or God. on your armrest. I know, like, who are these people? I, I don't get it. Yeah. But or they'll take them and put them up on the bulkhead, you know, which is the wall. Right, I've know, seen that. That's, that's actually. I remember I was on a oh. I was on a flight to New York, and uh, uh, I got up to use the lavatory. And as I was walking up there, there was a, <laughs> there was a, there was a woman with her bare feet mm-hmm. on the wall right in front mm-hmm. of her, and I was like, "What? I can't." Yeah. And do you understand, let me tell you what, I get people that get so riled up about that, like, well, what do you mean? I can't put my feet on there. And I'm like, well, first of all, like, is is it your wall? Like, did you, but like, you don't own it, you know, first of all, like, you're in public, you know, this is an $80 million aircraft, and like, who are you? (laughs) Like, you put your feet on your wall at home? I'm going to say no. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't care if you have shoes on or socks on, but, like, maybe a little respect would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, But they do break. Just as a heads up, I just like to make sure people know that so, they break, they me, bow, they <laughs> separate from the fuselage. I'm sorry. Let me let me ask you this: How much of the sure. behavior? How much of the behavior of uh, passengers on the plane involves booze? <laughs> Not as much as you would think. Oh, really? I mean, it's it's. I'm sure. I mean, there's a there's a decent percentage, but most of it. These are sober people. Isn't that disturbing? Oh, God. Because I was going to also mention, like, dirty diapers. You know, oh. people who are changing dirty diapers on the tray tables that people eat and drink oh, off of. No. Or, you know, on the seats. Oh, yeah. And um, so, you know, this was in addition to the feet. I was trying to think of all uh, other things. But um, it's it's crazy up there. It's like the Wild West. I don't know what is going on, but evidently... Um, you know, all bets are off for a lot of people once they spend a few hundred bucks on a plane ticket. So, I don't know. I, so, what do you have? Is there one particular incident that kind of stands out for you as like this is the craziest thing that I've ever seen or witnessed on a plane? Um, for me personally, yes. Um, that would be, and I have to be sensitive of how I would say this. So, let's just say we were getting ready to. Um, we had already started our descent into the city, you know, so we were only like 20, 25 minutes out, you know, um, of the city and, um, uh, an alarm went off. And of course I was like, Oh my God. And it was, you know, dark and the, you know, the cabin starts to light up and I see, cause I was in the back of the aircraft and I could see that dreaded red light. And I was hearing, you know, the bells going off and, you know, well, the alarm and I start running up front and, and essentially it was a, um, it was uh, the fire detector or fire alarm in the forward or front laboratory. And it was a gentleman who had been in there and caught his hair on fire while he was, I'm just going to say, smoking illegal substance. So <laughs> that happened. I mean, during so, a flight. So this guy's in the laboratory. Um, this guy's in the laboratory blowing weed and he sets his hair on fire. It wasn't weed. Oh, and, oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it was it was not that and yes and um it was super scary at the time. I would imagine fire yeah. airplane, you know, twenty thousand yeah. feet, not a good look and um not that something I mean I literally, you know, had a had uh, a fire extinguisher in my hand and I was, you know, yelling at this person as he came out because I, I obviously didn't know, you know, the extent of what happened yeah although when he came out i could you know that burnt hair smell yeah, that's what yeah. There was that laugh of the oh i was like oh boy and um so i i honestly just assumed you know cigarette and i was like where did you put it like what happened i was pull, like pulling panels out like just just so worried and um obviously uh Thank God everything was okay, yeah, and yeah. Um, he didn't make his connection. He kept asking me <laughs> as we were try. It was so funny. Um, it's kind of an inside joke, you know. Like if something tragic happens, you know, or you know, there's an emergency landing, you know, passengers will be like, "But am I going to make my connection?" <laughs> I, we had. <laughs> I it's it's an inside joke, but it's so it's just it's 
so true. You yeah. know, it just tells you like just how people are. We even have that's our best selling T shirt. I'm not going to lie. Am I going to make my connection? And yeah. there's a picture of people in the water. You know, <laughs> hanging on to you know seat cushions. All right, hang on, um, Sean Kathleen, hang on, okay? Sure. All right, Sean Kathleen is with us. Uh, she is the creator of Passenger Shaming, which Rolling Stone magazine picked as one of the 100 best Instagram accounts. And we'll talk more about what she's seen on these planes uh, with her time as a uh, flight attendant. Uh, Right here on 720 WGN. Hello, Nick DeGilio here, 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio. We're here until uh, 4 a.m. It is a Wednesday morning, which means we will be uh, playing uh, Know Your Onion at 3.30. So uh, we'll get two uh, con- contestants in here. First two callers in at 312-981-7200. We'll play. You win prizes. Don't you like to win things? Things are nice to win. <laughs> All you got to do is... Uh, uh, listen to Tom. He'll read some uh, news headlines, and if you can guess which ones are real and which ones are from The Onion, the satirical newspaper, you win. Sean Kathleen is with us. She's the creator of the uh, Instagram account Passenger Shaming. She spent some time as a flight attendant and uh, saw some, some stuff on some planes, and uh, so we welcome uh, Sean Kathleen. So uh, how, lo- how, how long were you a flight attendant again? Just about, about seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that seems as you said. That seems to be the cutoff for you. Seven years. Is I a... feel like it is. <laughs> I feel like it is. I don't know what it is about seven years, but I'm I'm good after about seven. Um, it's funny. I, I had talked to somebody, you know, during an interview at some point, and and she mentioned that I never had thought about this. Not my. I'm Gen. What am I? Gen X. Yeah. So. Um, you know, you get the whole, hey, hey, boomer, you know, kind of thing. But I'm like, right. oh, no, actually, it's Gen X. But uh, she said, like, I guess, which I guess what uh, what she had mentioned, and I had never really thought about it, was, you know, hey, seven years is pretty respectable these days. Like, you know, yeah. for millennials, for sure. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I just never, you know, just found that one thing that I just set with and I, and and I will tell you this though really quickly the things that I had done prior to being a a, a uh, flight attendant which you know the police and medic I even have a firefighting certificate I went through that during high school I'm going to tell you what that's basically what a, fi- a flight attendant uh it, it's in their job duties I mean you're doing security you're doing firefighting you're doing you know attending the medical emergencies all of that stuff, you know, yeah. you can't call an ambulance. You can't do any of that. You know, you have to handle, you know, like I said, security issues. And um, so it's it's a culmination of all of those things, honestly. So I, I actually worked with uh, quite a few former police officers, uh, future nurses, people who were already nurses or um, former nurses, medics, all of that. So it's not incredibly atypical. They all almost all that I had worked with all had a four year degree as well, minimum. Mm-hmm. So um, you would, that's, you, I think, kind of. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's, it, you wouldn't think that it's that complicated. I think a lot of people just take what you know, uh, flight attendants do for, for granted, you know what I mean? And, and, and Absolutely. don't really think about how complicated a, a, a job it really is. Oh, I totally agree. Absolutely. It's, it's, 
you know, like I joked earlier about, you know, pouring the soda. It, um, so, you know, safety obviously always comes first. Um, and, uh, and, you know, comfort after that, you know, I will tell you, uh, I almost said police officers, flight attendants want you to be happy. I promise you, I don't want to be on an aircraft working as a crew member with 200 miserable people, (laughs) you know, in a metal tube. Like, that's not, they want you to be happy. They want you to be comfortable. Um, And uh, so, yeah, it it is a difficult, it's a really rough gig. Um, It's, there's a lot of responsibility. It's just you up there. It's you and then the pilots and you really can't do anything with the pilots, you know, because they're not coming out of the, the cockpit. So it's essentially you and some and some uh, good Samaritans in the back if, if, if you need help. And I will say pe- passengers are very great to jump into action very quickly, you know, in regards of, uh, you know, something medical happening, you know, needing assistance or, you know, something security if somebody was going a little crazy. What uh, uh, what are some of the situations that you've been through in terms of emergency stuff uh, um, uh, while you've been on a flight? Um, probably m- mostly medical things, you know, people having heart attacks, that sort of uh, thing. Uh, I, I don't mean to like be blase, like, oh, you know, heart attacks. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's fairly common as that's not, tr- I'm, sometimes I might get things a little blurred, you know, because, okay, yeah, maybe I did do CPR 8 million times before, but Yes, I mean people do have heart attacks and 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 medical events will occur. So I mean, I, I flight tents don't get the respect that they deserve. I can tell you that for a fact. I have a really fun fact as well that people aren't aware wouldn't be aware of. Flight attendants and pilots. A lot of people don't know this. They don't get paid until the door closes and the plane starts to move so that entire process that is a crazy uh i I can't even use the word it's just a crazy moment of everybody boarding and can i have a want some water to take a pill my bag isn't fit my whatever what that's all free just fyi people don't know like they they and when you see the crews in the airport, you know, in between flights, you know, during layovers that might be three hours or, you know, four hours, they're not getting paid. So, um, you know, I mean, it's little things like that. Uh, and uh, it, it is a rough gig. It is. Yeah, man, I, 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 didn't, even, I didn't even know that that was the case. Uh, I, I, just, I think a lot of people just make assumptions about what you guys do. Of course. You sure. know, do you, did you work with the same team a lot, were, were, you know, uh, uh, on, the, mm-hmm. on the flights? Not necessarily, no. Um, uh, depending on how large the the you know the airline, and I don't you know discuss where I worked, but for sure you could maybe. I feel like you know on some of these you know legacy carriers, and yes, I mean you, you're going to be at a at a base, you know, assigned a base. So you know, say Chicago or Boston or New York, Philly, what have you. Um, so you're more apt to work with the some of the same people, but it's a lot of people. Um, so really it's, it's not often mm-hmm. that you're going to be with the same, you know, it's not like, you know, it's like, Hey, we're going to see, you know, the same crew, you know, every time you show up at the airport, yeah. as far as working with them for the next few days. No, that's not, I mean, that's not typical. Okay. 
So, and what about the what about the relationship that you have with the captains when you know when they come on board and everything? What's what's it like the communication? The who? With, I'm kidding. <laughs> with the, like, the, what's the communication process like with with uh, with uh, with those people? Well, with, where I worked, it was awesome. Um, I worked with the greatest pilots, and um, so they had our back. I, I mean, you know, this is my experience of seven years. They were amazing. Um, things have changed since I've left um, as far as not that they aren't, they aren't amazing, but where um, flight attendants don't necessarily stay on the same trips as pilots, um, where they've been kind of uh, segregated from each other. Is yeah. that the right word? I don't know. Uh, I think if, for the reason being uh, hours that you can work, you know, per the Federal Aviation right. Administration. Right. So flight tents can work longer than pilots. And um, so I think, you know, it's just that that would be the re- is the reasoning as far as I know. However, when I did it, um, we were always with our pilots and, you know, we would go have dinner and, you know, they always had our back and they were great. And they'd grab us a coffee at Starbucks. I don't know. I just had a great experience with my colleagues. That's what made that job. Yeah. And I will say most passengers were awesome. Um, I know that's weird coming from the passenger shaming lady. <laughs> However, uh, the, I, I do like to give the caveat that, yeah, most people are great, you know, and, and awesome. And you meet some really cool people on flights. It's, you know, those aren't the people that we're featuring, obviously, right. on our Instagram page. <laughs> so what? Uh, how often do you update the Instagram? How, how often do you post? Probably... I used to do it daily, and now I probably do it a few times a week. But I'll tell you, like, on Instagram, the stories, um, I do that daily, you know, because um, I, I get so much content. And to be honest, at this point, for me to post it on my main page, it has to be pretty egregious. Yeah. Which, by the way, is not difficult to, to obtain <laughs> whatsoever, um, un- unfortunately. But... Um, you know, you, there's daily content pumped out on Facebook and then, well, especially on Instagram, like the Instagram stories, Twitter, you know, it's, you know how it is, social media. Yeah. Uh, but as far as actual posting on the feed of Instagram, it's, you know, like every other day, probably. So do you get, uh, you know, since you're not a flight attendant anymore, do you have other flight attendants uh, submit things to you? Is that how you get some of the content? Oh, sure. You know, um, that's interesting because when I started, like I said, about, I'm guessing, around seven years ago, (laughs) oh, my God, maybe it's almost over. I'm kidding. (laughs) We hit the seven-year mark. But, um, yeah, so when I started, it was almost exclusively crew members who sent me, you know, the photographs and videos that I would post. And now it's it's well over 90% passenger submission oh is that right yeah it's oh yeah they're like hey i don't want to sit next to that guy you know or <laughs> that girl or whatever like, you know so and they love to call people out and you know passenger shame you know kind of became a movement you know a few years ago and people love it they're, they just love to submit you know the the photographs and uh and 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 for us to repost them. So if people, if people are, know. let's say people are traveling around mm-hmm. and they and they see something sure. ridiculous, they can pull out their phone, snap a photo, and then just mm-hmm. send it, send it to passenger shaming and uh, 
and uh, it it'll mm-hmm. show up on the Instagram account at some point. Yeah, yeah. If it's really egregious, like I said, it will be on the main page for sure. Because yeah. we're at like one point three million followers, I think, on Jeez. Instagram. Wow. And yeah, it's crazy. Facebook is over half a million for sure. I I don't know. It's just you know we've got we're all over the place. But, um, uh, but I can tell you it more than likely, yes, it, we would definitely put it in our stories. I love, I, I'm a big, you know, consumer of Instagram, you know, myself, I just love, you know, have the people I follow. I just love to tap through and like to see crazy fun stuff. Sure. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what I try to make it, you know, how I try to make it, you know, so it's fun and silly for people to look at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just you, people will, you know, email it to us or, you know, tag us. And that's usually the best way there you go will tag us in their photos and then yeah. we just regram it there you go uh, it's passenger shaming and by the way congratulations on rolling stone magazines uh, uh saying that you're one of the best uh, instagram accounts that's pretty cool yeah that was pretty cool yeah. i know yeah. love it that's awesome right, well listen it was so much fun talking to you sean uh kathleen and uh, best of luck to you. Passenger shaming is a, is is uh, is part of it. Anybody who's ever flown and has seen some weird stuff on planes, <laughs> and if you want to participate as passenger shaming, uh, if you're if you if you travel a lot and you see some crazy stuff on a plane, snap a photo, send it off to passenger shaming. Sean, Kathleen, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Bye bye. Bye. Take care. Sean, Kathleen, uh, the creator of passenger shaming. <laughs> you see some weird stuff on planes. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are uh, live in the Skyline studio here on 720 WGN. We're here until 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. My next guest is uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, she is uh, an MD, an MPH, uh, board-certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist and award-winning, best-selling author. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, this Elon Musk story uh, with her. And we want to welcome Dr. Lieberman to the show. Welcome, doctor. How, is it? How have you Hi been? There. How have you been? Fine, thank you. Good, Good to be back. Good, yes. Uh, well, let's just hear all all, uh, all about your story here. You know, I, as you were saying, actually, you know, I'm a board-certified psychiatrist, and uh, I'm also a forensic psychiatrist. I've written a bunch of books. Uh, the latest one is Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And I, I treat all kinds of patients, and... Uh, and you know, do a, right now in the last uh, since coronavirus, I've been particularly talking in uh, the media about you know trying to help people cope with everything that's going on. Mm. I bet that's kind of a challenge, right? Is it is it a busy time for you? Yes, um, it's a never ending time in the sense that you know there's always something something new, some stress. I mean, what, from from week to week, it's a different kind of stress. How long have you been a psychiatrist? <laughs> you don't ask a woman those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just a couple of months long then. Long enough to know better. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are some of the challenges of your job, Carol? Well, um, yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge is um, getting people to do what's best for them. <laughs> 
the biggest challenge is, well, really, these days, the biggest challenge is trying to help people. You know, I, I, uh, I trained at NYU Bellevue, and then I also trained at Anna Freud's clinic, the daughter of Sigmund Freud, mm. in London. And um, the, the best way for people to get better, whatever it is that their problem is, whether it's something serious like uh, schizophrenia or manic depressive illness, or whether it's just, you know, everyday anxiety, um, the best treatment is not just popping pills, if at all popping pills, but it's therapy. It's, it's psychotherapy, and that, you know, does take quite a while, and it's not an easy process. You have to remember things that happened in your childhood, and you have to go through it, feel all the feelings and so on. But that's the only way that you can get to the root of whatever it is that is your uh, problem. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of psychiatrists these days um, just do what's called mid-visits. They um, they see people for 15 minutes, a half an hour if you're lucky, and all they're asking about is uh, side effects and symptoms. And that, you know, and then they give the person the prescription and send them out the door. And so it's really frustrating because uh, I see a lot of people who have been to psychiatrists and who haven't gotten help and who've, you know, their lives have gotten worse, um, and especially, you know, the, the uh, side effects of the medications and so on. And it's just kind of frustrating to see that happen. And, of course, that's part, my other aspect of what I do is uh, being a forensic psychiatrist, an expert witness, and so I have a lot of malpractice cases, you know, people... Um, attorneys come to me with malpractice cases against other psychiatrists for for the uh, damage that they've done to these patients. Mm. You know, I think it's really refreshing to hear uh, someone talk about how they don't want to prescribe pills to people. I mean, that's kind of the easy way out, correct? Yes, and you know, with uh, getting back to coronavirus, uh, that there has been, since the lockdown, not just the virus, but since the lockdown and the stress of that, um, a lot of people are turning to are having psychological problems and are turning to anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants. You know, these things have been going through the roof. And antidepressants, you know, if you're depressed, it is helpful to have that along with therapy. But anti-anxiety medication is very addicting. And so, um, you know, it's very tempting when we're going through all the craziness that we're going through right now to just reach for pills. But when coronavirus is over and these riots are over and everything else, um, a person would, will be left with an addiction to anti-anxiety medication. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I've, I've read, you know, that this is happening right now because people are, I mean, obviously people are under a lot of stress. There's a lot of anxiety happening right now and people are looking for a relief what to, what do you recommend uh besides you know people you know turning to uh to pills or anything like that what what is your recommendation to people to deal with the anxiety that we're all dealing with on a daily basis well i never uh prescribe anti-anxiety medication unless it's for someone helping someone get weaned off of it that they've been put on by a different psychiatrist or by a family doctor yeah um what i suggest is you know, besides therapy, of course, coming at least once a week and talking about how you hate your mother. <laughs> yeah, you know. By, by the way, by the way, Carol, that's that's proof that, that that's proof that you did study at Anna Freud's London Clinic, right there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
Um, and besides that, you know, just on a more uh, basic kind of level, what people in, can do themselves um, is to, there are all kinds of things to decrease stress um, from, uh, you know, aromatherapy, candles, to meditation, to taking walks in nature, all listening to calming music, um, lots of different techniques like that. And, of course, one of the best things is making sure you get an hour of humor a day, whether that's an hour of laughter, whether that's um, watching cartoons with your kids or watching romantic comedies or even just looking up jokes on Google. Um, laughter is really is really very helpful for anxiety and depression, depression, and you know all kinds of things. So for the time being, and and the key, you know, everybody is so uh, bent out of shape about whether to wear a mask or not to wear a mask or you know a hazmat suit. <laughs> that's the next thing, or or what? When really, if everyone just focused on their own immune system. Um, doing these things that I just talked about to decrease stress, and then, of course, eating nutritious food, getting enough sleep, taking vitamins, taking supplements uh, for your immune system, we would really all be in a lot better shape, you know, rather than worrying about what other people are doing. Just take care of yourself and your loved ones, and you will be in a lot better shape. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Doctor, hold on, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Dr. Carol Lieberman is with us. Uh, she is a board certified uh, psychiatrist. And uh, we're going to talk about this story about Elon Musk. Uh, we've got uh, we got to jump into that, too, and uh, more. Uh, 312-981-7200. It's Nick DiGiulio on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Hi. We're live in the uh, Skyline studio here, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Um, coming up, we've got uh, Know Your Onion uh, at 3.30. First two uh, callers in will be our contestants. Tom will read some news headlines, and you have to decide whether they're real or they're from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. The news is very weird nowadays, so sometimes it's very difficult to tell whether it's real or, or it could be from the onion. Uh, and you could win things. Things are good to win, and you enjoy things. So 312-981-7200. My guest right now is Dr. Carol Lieberman. She is an award-winning, best-selling uh, author and a psychiatrist, and uh, we love to have Carol on to talk about uh, uh, some interesting stuff. Doctor, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so Elon Musk. Um, Elon Musk's Neuralink currently develops a new feature on their brain chip that will enable humans to go forth and choose the mood by balancing off a person's hormone levels. The brain-implanted chip that is capable of controlling a human's emotion and mood by emitting waves that are beyond the usual or natural frequency and amplitude. Uh, let's talk about this, Doctor. What's, what, what, do you, what do you make of this? Well, we have to give Elon Musk credit. He's come up with a lot of creative things and intelligent things. But <laughs> um, this, I think, is inspired more by his own conscious or unconscious 
desire to have something to regulate his brain, you know, his moods and so on, than this being a really uh, good idea. There are so many dangers with it. I mean, first of all, any time that you have any kind of brain surgery and they're, they're talking about different ways that you can put the chip in, you know, he's talked about doing something uh, with a, with thread and uh, using a sewing machine-like apparatus, oh. doing something with a robot, doing something with um, now they've invented some kind of new material that might be able to make the transition, the, the interface between the brain chip and the brain. But, you know, anytime you're talking about doing something that touches the brain, of course there's all kinds of risk of damaging the brain. And, um, you know, he, he talked about how besides uh, regulating emotions, he talked about how the good, some good uses would be, and yes, theoretically this is true, like if there were brain disorders or if people had um, paraplegias or quadriplegias or things like, like that, you know, yes, this would, it would be great to be able to have something that would help some kind of disorder. But as far as uh, regulating the, the hormones to regulate the moods and so on, uh, first of all, as we were just talking about, um, you know, the, the things that cause your mood changes and cause problems are things that, that are, are from your childhood and things that are from your life, from your childhood that are then triggered by things in your current life. And so no chip is going to fix that. Could it fix moods possibly? Um, possibly. But even with psychiatric medication, you know, it's not an exact science. So this is all very iffy. But but what's interesting is that um, he has been, it's, he certainly has exhibited some symptoms of bipolar disorder, manic depressive disorder. Mm. And he was asked about this. He wrote a, a tweet in 2017 that said, uh, the reality is great highs, terrible lows, and unrelenting stress, talking about himself. And then he was asked whether he might be bipolar, and he said, yeah. And then he backpedals, and he said, maybe not medically, though. Dunno, bad feelings correlate to bad events. So maybe real problem is getting carried away in what I sign up for. So I think, again, consciously or unconsciously, he's trying to fix himself. I see. I see. So what, what, what is it about his behavior that leads you to think that he is bipolar? What, what, are, what are some of the, uh, some of the uh, characteristics of that? Well, he's um, uh, he has these mood swings, and even though you know, one of the positive things about bipolar disorder is that you are very creative um, in your highs. You know, the problem is that people when they get too high, then it's destructive. I mean, it can't. They do things that don't make sense. Yeah. But um, but I think you know that that has fueled some of his creativity, allowed him to think of things that other people don't think of doing, and so on. Um, so it's in his personal life. He has these mood swings. He has these volatile relationships. Um, so far, he hasn't, well, that we know of, there haven't been any public meltdowns like Kanye West. But it is interesting that they're friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I, I, don't, there isn't, I don't think that there is anything that has been uh, publicly other than what he said himself, I don't think that there's been anything publicly definitive about that. But, you know, one of the other problems with this idea of a brain chip, besides, besides damaging the brain, potentially, is hacking. 
I mean, if there's a danger, as there is with cars, with the electric cars, people hacking into that and making the cars go haywire and all that, imagine people hacking into a brain chip and making a person go haywire. Yeah, you know, I, I never even thought of that. That's terrifying. Yes, yes, it is. And then there's been thought about, like, what about people hacking into your brain, stealing your memories, stealing your thoughts, stealing uh, stealing your passwords, <laughs> stealing things, you know, that you know, and particularly if it's uh, somebody in security or a politician who knows some secret information. And there, you can, you know, you can, this is fodder for great uh, sci-fi yeah. movies yeah. and, and uh, books. Well, we were just thinking, uh, my, my producer and I were just thinking about the movie Inception, <laughs> which has a similar sort of getting into the brain and, and, uh, and taking uh, information from that, and that's kind of what the uh-huh. plot of the movie is. Yeah, so uh-huh. yeah, interesting stuff. Hey, is there anything similar to like that? You know, the, Elon Musk is is talking about this brain chip. Is there anything that exists right now that that uh, that doctors are using and scientists are using in regular practice uh, and during brain surgeries and things like that? Well, I mean, you know, you could find certain things like. Um, like there, well, we have there are certain com- connections between um, electrical things or uh, like EEGs, you know, electroencephalograms, where we put um, oh these we attach things to the outside of the brain. I mean, not not going inside, but yeah. and measuring brain waves and and um, uh, diagnosing seizures, for example. Um, or there, of course, there was electroshock therapy. I mean, that's still being used, but not as much. Um, so it's not like this is a totally foreign concept, but no one really, I mean, the idea of putting this inside your brain. And also, um, he said that the reason why he was thinking about this, you know, besides the uh, controlling the moods and so on, was because he's afraid of what um, artificial intelligence is going to do to man, like whether how maybe artificial intelligence can outsmart man. And this was his way of trying to even the playing field. I mean, that, you know, going back to bipolar, I mean, is that how um, realistic is that? Or is that paranoid or... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know enough about artificial intelligence to say, go into details about that. But I mean, um, I don't know that we have to worry about it, them artificial intelligence. I don't know that, that even though there may be that danger of artificial intelligence getting smarter than us, I don't know that the solution is a brain chip. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. the The whole idea just kind of freaks me out. Like uh, putting putting a brain chip into someone. I never even thought about the hacking thing until you just until you mentioned it. It was. Uh, it's just. It seems you know complicated and weird enough without that. You know. Yes, and you know it's it's dehumanizing. I mean, it's it's like it makes me think of Frankenstein. You know. Um, I mean, there are enough things with what's been going on just in, at present. With um, as I was saying, like the. Uh, um, uh, you know, getting us to not only wear masks and and so on, but uh, goggles. You know, Fauci—that's his latest thing, saying we all should wear goggles. And so the next thing is going to be hazmat suits. So it's like we're getting and lockdowns. We're getting dehumanized enough, and then you can take it one step further with the brain chips. But I mean, you know, that's what makes us wonderful. Yeah, our humanity. That's true. Now, what what is sort of the biggest danger of trying to control your moods in that kind of way? 
you know, that's, um, I mean, that's what psychiatric medication does or is supposed to do. And uh, even with that, it is not an exact science. I mean, um, we have ideas or the, or the medications wouldn't be approved, but, um, but it is still not 100% exact. We don't know exactly which cells and, uh, you, you know, there's an idea and there's some degree of specificity, but not not 100%. And, um, I, I mean, yes, if you, have, if you have bipolar, then clearly you would want to regulate your moods. You, you would normally take a mood uh, stabilizer, a medication like lithium or uh, lamictal or something like that, mm-hmm. as well as when you're in a manic phase, you would take an antipsychotic medication like uh, Abilify or Haldol or something like that, yeah. and plus the mood stabilizer. And when you're in a depressed phase of bipolar, you would take an antidepressant plus a mood stabilizer. So, I mean, there is, you know, there is this science. There are things known in order to be able to try to use this to, to benefit people, but it's you don't always know what patient is going to work with what medication, and it's, you need... Um, you need a very good psychiatrist, and you need someone who's going to be monitoring you very carefully and being on the lookout for side effects and whether this is going to push you over. Like a lot of times or sometimes when people um, are in a depressed phase and they have bipolar disorder, if a doctor gives the person too much of an antidepressant, that can throw them into a manic phase. So it's not, you know, it's not like um, you have to... You have to watch the patient carefully. It's yeah. not like it's everybody's different. And so so it's not something that's simple and, oh, you're just going to flip a switch of a <laughs> brain chip and, you know, and uh, and have the right amount of whatever it is that you think you need. Okay. All right. Uh, Doctor, fascinating. Always talking to you uh, is fascinating. We'll keep an eye on what's going on with Elon Musk. He's just got his he's got his finger in everything. <laughs> this guy, yes. he's got so yes. much going on. But uh, doctor, is, is there a website that people can t- contact you or, or uh, anything like that? Sure. Um, they can look at my uh, terrorist therapist dot com website or okay. drcarol dot com, which is Dr. Carol with an E. Dr. Carroll with an E at the end. Okay. Uh, doctor, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank, thanks so much for your for your thoughts. Thank you. Okay, take care. Dr. Carol Lieberman, you can talk to, uh, you can check out drcarol with an E.com for more information. Okay, <clears throat> Nick DiGilio here, and uh, we'll be back after this on WGN. Gotta love the Dan. Morning, it's Nick DiGiulio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, being just public behavior that bothers you, like loud headphones and clipping your nails. And we're also going to talk about everyday things that we do that annoy other people. So we're going to talk about being annoyed with other people, and especially in public. Our phone number is 312-981-7200. Coming up at 3.30, we've got another roll, uh, another of Know Your Onion. And uh, 
Uh, we'll take our first two callers at 312-981-7200. They'll be our contestant. And uh, Tom will read you some news headlines, and you have to guess whether they are real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. And you win things. So, uh, 312-981-7200. All right. Around this time, every weekday morning, uh, we like to play back some classic Carson comedy. Uh, you can watch The Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. It's awesome, and uh, you should watch it. And every uh, morning, weekday morning around 2.30, we like to play back some comedy. One of my favorite people on the planet is what we're going to play back here. This is from 1983. I think Albert Brooks is a comedic genius. I think he's an amazing filmmaker and one of my favorite people. Uh, And uh, it was always great on Johnny Carson's show. So from 1983, here's Albert Brooks. Very tough to uh, introduce somebody on the show without any any plugs. You know, it's usually a movie, a record album, or they're opening at the. Uh... I, I want to say something seriously. <laughs> yeah. I'm joking tonight for a little boy who <laughs> is very ill in a hospital in Northern California. I promised him I would get big laughs if I do. He lives. If I don't, he's gone. <laughs> I wanted to put some of the responsibility onto them because I've been nervous all day about I well, don't want to visit them. I'm going to I'm going to double that offer. Oh. <laughs> okay. Remember that great scene was the uh, Lou Gehrig thing where Babe Ruth went to the hospital and promised the kid he'd hit two homers. I love movies like that. I yeah. love movies where Then everybody... Gehrig went in and says, I'll hit three. Yeah, and then what about the guy who came afterwards <coughs> and said he hit four and didn't? No one knows about him, you know. <laughs> the kid was waiting. And I, I afterwards, I'll hit six, you know, and already, don't, please, he's sick now. Um, Are you an old movie fan? Um, no, I'm an old movie star fan. I like to see him in the market beg for food, but I don't really like him. <laughs> Um, I, um, you know what's interesting about these Lou Gehrig stories? Oh, we'll talk about that another time. Why give my time to Lou Gehrig? He's already so beloved. Um, I, uh, oh, I'd like to give you a quick impression. I have. Sure. Of the Palm Springs Police Department. All right? Palm Springs Police Department. Yes, this is my impression of the Palm Springs Police Department. Palm Springs Police, Pally, this is Frank Sinatra. Can you do me a favor? Jilly is sick. Do you think you could pick up some deli for me? Hold on a moment. Palm Springs Police. Hey, this is Bob. I can't get my cleaning hope. Hold on a moment. Palm Springs Police. This is Lucy. I've got to get to the airport. Hold on a moment. Palm Springs Police. This is Jerry Ford. Do you have Frank Sinatra's number? That's it. I didn't list any of your credits out. You said you want to uh, save them for here. You have movies and things that. Uh, well, I, I, do, I, I, I know you don't like to push the. You, know, you feel awkward about hustling. Well, I mean, I'm I'm in this movie, The Twilight Zone, and uh, when a studio spends eighty-two million on the advertising, they don't need me to come on, yeah. you know, and say anything. But I'm in that, and I did this movie. Oh, I got scared. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say something. It was interesting last week. I found there's there's an interesting uh, arrogance that's. Uh, come into our country. People that work with electronic things, the more complicated they get, the more arrogant... Uh, electricians have always been arrogant. I had I went to a car stereo place last Wednesday, actually. I, I'm doing nothing now, so I know every day what I do. And, uh, <laughs> things not to do today, huh? 
I have this car stereo. It has auto reverse. It plays in one direction. It doesn't play in the other. I went to this car stereo place right away. If you, you know, if the stereo comes with a car, that people don't even want to talk to you, you know. And I walked in and I said to the guy, I have some trouble with my stereo. He said, Did you buy it here? I said, No, no, no. But you know, it says repair. Oh, is that sign still up there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I, I said here, I said, would you look at the car? And he stared me down as if I could bring the car in the room. I, you know, I said, it's right out on the street. Just come out and look at it. He walks out, he looks in the window. He says, this come with a car? Yeah, what's the trouble with it? I said, it plays in one direction, it won't play in the other. He actually said to me, throw it away. What kind of advice is that? I said, I'm sorry, he said, throw it away. He's walking back in the building. Hold it, hold it, hold it. What do you mean, throw it away? He said, for what it costs you to take it out, you know, I don't even want to fix it. But if I throw it away, I've got to take it out. I mean, it has to be taken out sometime, you know? Now, I mean, an electrician, you call an electrician, I love, because if you call an electrician and you show him where the box is, you can go in back in your living room and sit and count to five, and by five, he'll, he'll call your name. One, two, three. Mr. Brooks? Yeah, yeah. Come outside? Yes, sir. Who, uh, who wired this thing up for you? It's a brand new house, uh, you know, the humans do it or an animal fix it up for you, how'd you do it? I think, you know, it was done by code. Well, you know, I can uh, give you more circus, but save money, just wait for the fire. Yeah. Well, I know you're right, I went through that this week, so help me. I know. Because every electrician who comes, the guy who ever did the work before says, this is a mess, this guy really... Whatever, it's a brand new house, this yeah. is a mess. The best thing are exterminators. You call an exterminator... They go on to your house and they come, Mr. Brooks, yeah, want to come down here? Yeah. <laughs> they ask you what you want to do. It's great. He says, we got, uh, you got six rats. I think it's probably where, you're under your, where your bedroom is. What do you want to do? <laughs> Give them magazines. That's right. Let's send them to college. That's right. See if they drink movie. more than camels. Take I have no movie. idea. I don't know. Well, well they you can stay down do... there a long time now that you know. You could, have also... a, you could have a camel under there. Luckily, you got rats. <laughs> Exterminators also, they've got you there, too, because they're very coy about it. Uh, yeah, I got. I see about six rats and a huge mole. Uh, I'm going to... Well, don't... You're crawling out. What are you going to... Well, I'll come back Monday. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, we got to work out what... Oh, take all my income. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just send me what you don't want. <laughs> but get rid of those oh, rats. Oh, I don't want to sleep at the weekend with a mole. You know, it's a terrible thought. <laughs> okay, we'll take a short break. We're going to be right back. Oh, I love Albert Brooks so much. He is so, so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> Just take all my income. <laughs> I do have I have some family friends that are, uh, they're, they're not electricians, but they're plumbers. They're plumbers. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's what they'll say. Who did the pipe work in here? Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Whoever is like, oh, it's a total, it's a yeah, damn, damn mess. It's a mess, man. Yeah. <laughs> I could give you more circus, but we'll just wait for the fire. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, he's so funny. You've seen all his movies, right? Uh, I think so. Okay, because it's, it's real life. You've seen real life? Yeah, I've definitely seen a few. Okay. Real life. Uh, uh, Modern Romance. Yeah. Lost in America. Lost in America is the one I've seen the most. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a masterpiece. Defending Your Life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mother. You know what? I haven't actually seen that one. And The Muse. And one of the best movies that he's made, the last one he made, nobody saw it, Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World. Mm. Have you seen that? I have not. I've heard of it. Oh, I've it's heard so tell. good. It's so good. We, and five people saw it. Well, you, you missed probably his most famous one. What? Finding Nemo. 
Well, he didn't direct that. No, but he's in it. Yeah, he's in it. You know, he's in a lot of movies. But I was just talking about the movies that he is in and also wrote and directed. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, but Finding Nemo's great. He's uh, He does a great job. His He does great voice work in that. Very good at yelling for his children. Well, see, that's the thing. You know, like he's 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 gone on record as saying is he 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 basically doesn't have to work ever again, and it's mostly because of the Finding Nemo money. You know, yeah. I'm how still, about how about him in Drive? Yeah, I'm, I was going to say I'm still really mad at him for slitting Brian Cranston's wrist. Oh my God, man! The Albert Brooks, one of the funniest guys on the planet. He was terrifying in Drive. He was the he was like the main crazy ass villain. Uh, and it's interesting casting, very strange casting. Like when I I had heard that Albert Brooks was playing this sort of psychotic villain, I was like, "What?" Um, but he's he's great in it. You know, he got an Oscar nomination for 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 uh, supporting actor. Do you know which movie? Albert Brooks Oscar nomination for supporting actor. Hmm. Well, wasn't this is forty? Oh God! Yeah. Oh, I hate that movie. Yeah. He's the best thing in it. He's only yeah. in one scene. He's in a couple. He's yeah. in like, I'd say he's in a total of eight minutes. Yeah, but he's the, the best thing right in now. the movie. That's a terrible movie. Yeah, I don't know. What did he get nominated for? Broadcast News. Ah, yeah, yeah. 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 What do you know? I buried the lead. <laughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> lines in the entire... I adore that movie. It's good stuff. I adore that movie. I think that movie is, is just uh, wonderful. In every way. So, Albert Brooks, very funny guy, uh, and we play uh, classic comedy Carson Clips alliteration. Um, I don't think you've ever put it in the same order. <laughs> I know, I mix twice. it up all the time. Uh, you can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV, and every weekday morning around 2.30 we play back some great comedy from the Johnny Carson Show. Okay, listen, we're going to jump into um, public, um, uh, public um, actions. Uh, and behavior, public behavior that bothers you the most, like excessive talking or clipping nails. What are some of your pet peeves about uh, people, the way they behave in public? 312-981-7200. We're also going to talk about things that we do every day that annoy other people. So uh, jump in here. What what about the uh, public uh, behavior that makes you crazy? 312-981-7200. And we'll uh, jump to the phones and uh, talk about that. Okay, uh, I got some weather for you for tonight. Mainly clear, bit cool for the season away from the lake. Uh, low of 62, but mid-50s inland uh, locations. Wednesday through Friday, mostly sunny days, clear nights. Daytime temperatures were warm slowly, few degrees each day. High Wednesday, 82, upper 70s lake shore. Low Wednesday night around 62, but mid-50s inland. High Thursday around 87, and Friday's high about 88. Saturday, mixed sun. Clouds will build warm and becoming breezy. Uh, showers and uh, thunderstorms are likely on Saturday night, high of 89 for Saturday. For Sunday, some clouds uh, warm. Scattered thunderstorms will build in the daytime. Uh, and uh, let's see, it's about 85 for a high. 65 degrees at O'Hare right now, 64 at Midway, and 70 at the lakefront. 312-981-7200. We're going to be talking about public behavior that makes you crazy. And uh, what are what are the uh, pet peeves of public behavior? 312-981-7200. It's Nick DeGilio and WGN. Right. Hello. Hi. What are you doing? (laughs) 
Nick DiGilio here uh, from the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago on 720 WGN. I'm your overnight dude here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place for the TV side of WGN, get some local news and uh, 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 news from that team. And then Bob Surratt has your morning drive starting at 5. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom right here on WGN. Okay, uh, public behavior. Now, uh, Tom, we were talking a little bit earlier that we we do see a lot of annoying and ridiculous behavior particularly on the cta that is true i wonder what it is about the cta that brings out that kind of behavior mm. in people i don't know i it's is there just... something in the air on the l <laughs> yeah they're piping in uh jackass air you know <laughs> jackass air <laughs> yeah it makes you act like a total <laughs> jerk <laughs> Jackass Air. That was my radio name in college. Yeah, Jackass Air. <laughs> it's the worst, the worst airline of all time. Yeah, Jackass Air. Jackass Air. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Knoxville is your pilot. Oh man, we'll put a whoopee cushion under each of your seats. Exactly. No, I don't. I don't know what it is. It's very strange. Yeah. Um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that uh, after a while, once you've ridden. Once you've rode the CTA every day to go to work, you just kind of start to lose your sense of self. Um, yeah. Prior prior to this whole pandemic situation, I would I would take the bus in every day, sometimes the train, but usually the bus. I'd hop on the the bus and take it in, and uh, you start seeing the same people every day. Yeah. Uh, both to and from work, and especially at these hours, no one looks awake. Right. Everybody's tired. They're right. either, you know, going into the night shift or they're on their way home or something like that. And you know, uh, it takes up a good part of your commute. You know, it's a, driving is quick. It's fifteen minutes, yeah, basically from where I am. Yeah, you're taking the bus. It extends to about forty five. Oh, there's no question about it. Because I mean, you got to hit every stop. Right. You know, people are getting on, getting off, all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to complain. It's just the facts. So eventually, all those things that you normally do. At home, when you have time, you kind of have to do on the way you have to, to work. To do on the bus, I saw a woman in curlers once. She was literally like doing, do, like doing her hair in curlers on the bus. I on like, the bus, on the bus. I said, "God love her. She's just trying to look good for her wherever she's got to get to work." Exactly. It's funny because you know, um, I live right on. I live on Irving Park, and so there's you know there's buses on Irving Park, which I see go by you know all the time. And, uh, you know, there, there are, are a lot of times my parents will, uh, will give me a lift home from work here. So they'll pick me up and they'll give me a lift home. They live just, you know, about a mile away from me. We're, we live very close. So um, when we get off the expressway, there's always a stoplight before, you know, we get to my, to my house. And the Irving Park bus, that, you know, because it's usually right around the same time that we pull up to that stop to that stoplight. Because, you know, it's, it times out, you know, basically the same every day. You know, it takes, you know, they, they pick me up a little bit after 4 here, and we get back to around my place, like around 420, 420-ish. So, so we see the Irving Park bus, that same Irving Park bus every morning as it drives by going going eastbound on Irving, and there's always one dude, same dude on it, sitting in the back every day. It's the same dude. Without fail. Yeah, same dude, and we and we're wondering if we're gonna because he's a big guy, he's a heavy set dude, sitting in the back, always sits in the back, and every single time that bus goes by on you know every morning around four twenty, 
there's the big dude sitting in the back of the- <laughs> sitting in the back. Set your watch to it. Exactly. <laughs> Does it comfort you to see him in a way? Well, it's like yeah, because I mean, if the bus goes by and he's not on it, we'll worry, right? Like, I this hope man, he's okay. This man you've never met. Yeah, this man I just see him met. every morning. He's like sitting in the back of the bus. Drives by. He, I, I'm, I don't know if he's going home or he's going to work. I don't know, but it's right around 4:20 a.m. And he's always got earbuds in. He's got mm-hmm. like his earbuds in, and he's sitting in the back of the bus. He's always in the back. You ever wonder to yourself like where he's going, who, what he does, yeah. what he's listening to on his headphones? Yeah. No, I often wonder, you know, if he's coming because maybe he works like this shift. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm heading home at at around four ish. You know, and um, but some people are up early to go to work early. So you don't know whether he's coming or going, but he's in that. But yeah. he's on that bus, man. Every every day he's on the bus in the back with his earbuds in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's I, I would say definitely the everyday riders have the best etiquette because they're used to it. Yeah, you know they've they've usually got their book, their headphones, or something, and uh, they're usually not doing weird stuff. Yeah, not doing the weird stuff on there. I feel like it's people who are, uh, especially visitors from the suburbs. They do they do the breaking of the etiquette sort of stuff. Like they don't know how to get on and off. Yeah. And I'm not again, grew up in the suburbs. I'm a sub I, I would yeah. never claim to be from Chicago. I was born in yeah. Chicago, grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, when I was a teenager and coming to Chicago for the first time trying to figure out the CTA, God, I must I must have annoyed the hell out of some people. Yeah. I really probably well, did. Well, it's I mean, I'm a city guy. I'm a city boy. Yeah. You know, I was I've never lived anyplace else other than the city. Mm. Of Chicago. Uh, the closest was, I almost was in Harwood Heights. Wow. When I lived in the Honeybee Complex. <laughs> um, it was still Chicago, but it was pretty far west on Foster. Right there. Yeah. Very close. Um, and that was when I lived with with, with Scott. Mm. You know, that's when we had the eight-hour marathon of uh, Beavis and Butthead, where we watched Beavis and Butthead for eight hours and drank beer. Are you sure it wasn't the Honeybee Asylum? It was, well, at that point it was. <laughs> we had uh, we had Patrick Swayze across the way, sure, because the guy blasting um, "Time of Your Life." No, or, uh, the song from Ghost. Oh my lord! Oh, uh, Unchained Melody. Unchained Melody. Yeah, he the would, Righteous he, Brothers. He would blast that constantly. So, but yeah, that was in the Honeybee Complex. The Honeybee Complex. So, but I've lived in the city the you know my whole life, and so and and I grew up you know the house that I grew up in. People know this. Lived on the second floor apartment. We were right next to the Addison Brown Line stop, like literally right outside my bedroom window. I could see people standing on the platform. Um, so I was familiar with you know, I mean, having grown up in the city, played in the streets, and all that kind of stuff. I was familiar. I'm I'm I've been familiar with this city since basically birth. Uh, started riding the L. I don't know, eight when I was, <laughs> you know, so um. I've navigated, you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty good with the, you know, about the about knowing where and how to get how to do things in the city, starting at a very young age. So, but I love living in this city. I can't imagine living anyplace else. Uh, here's Doc on WGNA. Doc, hey Nick, I'll tell you a fashion trend that really gets my goat. I think I thought we would have outgrown it by now. Sagging drawers. And guys that are holding the pants and themselves in the front yeah. while their drawers are sagging. Yeah, yeah, pants on the ground. Oh yeah, we yeah. Need to, we need to play that, man. We find find if, if we can find pants on the ground, we can play that. Yeah, no, I don't understand that look at all. 
I don't. I'm, and I'm, then, I'm, I've never have. Did you ever hear the uh, the song by the lead female singer for James Brown about sagging pants? No, I haven't. Trying to discourage guys. From wearing sagging pants? Yeah, yeah. And she's telling them, you know, uh, you're really showing no respect when you realize what sagging backwards spells. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. All right. But, uh, yeah. All right, man. All have right, a good doc, Take care, buddy. Do we have... Uh... Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground, with the gold in your mouth, hat turned sideways, pants hit the ground, call yourself a cool cat, looking like a fool, walking downtown with your pants on the ground, giddy up, hey, get your pants off the ground, looking like a fool, walking, talking with your pants on the ground, giddy up, hey, get your pants off the ground. <laughs> the great... The greatest moment in American Idol history, right there. Potentially. Oh my God! I remember. I remember first watching that. I was on the floor laughing. <laughs> you know, my dad. Uh, my dad always. He also hated if we didn't have a belt on or if we had ill-fitting pants. And uh, if <laughs> I always wear a belt, yeah, I if, never go without a belt. If any of the three of us, me and my two brothers, <laughs> let our pants sag, he used to call us the soggy bottom boys. <laughs> That's from uh, from Oh Brother from, Where Art Thou. Oh Brother, yeah. Yeah, he just says he's like these three soggy bottom boys coming in. <laughs> Pull your pants up. I remember I was so disappointed by that movie. I hate stop that movie. I hate it. Shut up. I hate just it. Shut up. I remember just sitting in the theater with the just landmark theater, and when it ended, I was sitting. Uh, there was a guy sitting. There were two of us left in the theater, just kind of sitting there. I was stunned at how bad it was, and I just kind of turned and I looked at the guy about two seats away from me, and I looked at him. And he looked at me, and I was like, am I wrong, or did that suck? He goes, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> it's easily their worst movie. It's worse than Lady Killers. <laughs> and Lady Killers is pretty bad. So, All right, let's get to the news. I'm really kind of shy. Right. But I get this feeling. Hello. Good morning. Hi. What's going on? <laughs> Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. Uh, coming up at 3.30, we, uh, we're going to open up the phone lines. First two callers in will be our contestants for Know Your Onion. Um, we do this every Wednesday morning at 3.30. Tom will quiz you. He'll uh, read some news headlines, and you have to decide whether they're real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. If you get the majority of them right, you win. There are things to win. So we'll do that in just a little bit. Uh, but right now, we're going to talk about public behavior that uh, makes you crazy and uh, some uh, everyday things that we do that annoy other people. 312-981-7200. What about public behavior? What about things that uh, that make you nuts? How about this? The thump of loud music coming from headphones, a whack by an overstuffed backpack, a messy, pungent burrito. Given the chance, subway riders will rattle off extensive complaints about acts committed by fellow passengers that inspire their indignation. After the Metropolitan Transportation Authority announced a new subway etiquette campaign, the New York Times asked readers what behaviors irritated them the most. More than 700 responses arrived by email in comments on the Times website and via Facebook and Twitter. Grievances included smells that offend, sounds that grate, and personal grooming not appropriate for a public space. 
Rider, riders seethed over frequent culprits like the door hog, the pole hugger, and the litter bug. Many riders agreed the authorities' decision to take on man-spreading. That's just ridiculous when people do that. Man-spreading. Uh, the <laughs> V-shaped, wide-sitting posture that can take up more than one seat. Others argued that women are also guilty of spreading out shopping bags and purses to take up extra room by crossing their legs. Uh, some think food should be banned on the subway altogether. They had visceral memories of unpleasant odors on the train like Mexican fast food, garlic breath, and Chinese takeout. Mm. And then someone wrote, I actually wouldn't listen to this. I actually witnessed a man put on rubber gloves, open a can of sardines, and eat it on the train. Oh, my God. <laughs> Even dairy products offend. Generally, eating anything requiring utensils on the subway is gross, but spooning yogurt is the worst. It's like a germ sponge traveling from carton to mouth. Others, uh, writers, lament that they turned uh, the car into a nail salon. Uh, Erica Heard once saw a man clipping his fingernails on the number seven train. His fingernails were flying all over the car like missiles. <laughs> Other passengers, including myself, were sim- simultaneously ducking and laughing. Sam from Brooklyn said, last night on my commute home, a young woman polished, actually whipped out nail polish remover and started taking off her nail polish. The fumes were overwhelming. Who does that? Other grooming riders uh, should be banned. Nose picking? Well, I mean, that should just be banned altogether. Get a tissue. Applying makeup, plucking facial hair, flossing teeth, and swiping on deodorant. Come on, man. Seriously? Well, you could argue that they're trying to help you out. You know, they notice that they're a little uh, a little ripe. They're on the old spice. Oh, come on, A little on, speed man. stick. Maybe some uh, secret for the ladies. Um, so they've got these new etiquette posters that are, that are displayed all over New York. Come on. Like, that's going to change anything? Well, we've got those in Chicago, too. Do we? Yeah, there's uh, there's signs on the train like telling you like, hey, don't block the door, let people out, you know, and then you can go in. Don't rush the door when the when the door is. I open hate that. I uh, it's hate terrible. that. You got let the people out, man. Well, Just stand back, right. let right. the people out, and then go in. It's people. It's the way the best way that it was explained to me is that it's like parking a car. Say there's no parking spots in a parking lot. And you notice a uh, a car leaving a parking right spot. You don't block the car or try to go in while the car right. is still there. Right. You let the car out, then you get to park. Right. I mean, it seems simple to me, but I, I've, I've you know I've ridden. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I've ridden the subway or the L, and the doors open up. People just try to get in. It's because we're simple cattle. Nick. I don't. I don't understand that. I really don't. Just hang on a second. Let the people out, and then Breathe. you can get in. The, the train's not going anywhere. No. No. And uh, I don't know. I, I want to ask you this: How do you feel about bikes on on the train? Bikes on the train? Yeah, like a guy. Um, you know, a guy is you know bikes to the bikes to the train gets on and gets on. Yeah, you know, takes it to where he's going well, and then continues biking wherever. What's your take? I guess it's okay. I mean. You know, it takes up some space, but I most of the time, whenever I would see somebody who would get on with a bike, they would stand it up, right, and stand next to it, mm-hmm. and it would normally be, it would be that pole right by the door, 
Sure. So yeah. they would they would have it right by that's I mean that seems to me the best scenario. Mm-hmm. If you're going to bring your bike on and there's room, you don't want to bring your bike on at five o'clock. No. PM. Oh God! If if I saw someone with their bike trying yeah. to get on a CTA train like seven thirty a.m. No. No. Seven thirty eight o'clock in the morning on uh, uh don't bring your bike on the L and don't bring it in but like between four thirty and six middle of the day. Fine. Fine. Late at or, night. Or take a bus because the bus has the little racks on the they front. They got the rack on the front where you can put your bike. I'm cool with that. That's safe. I don't know who yeah. came up with that, but it's genius. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. They should put one on the front of the train. <laughs> <laughs> you get to your stop, you yeah. got to run all the way up to the front and <laughs> climb over the train. Yeah, just kind of uh, get your yourself. Bike. Perch yourself above that third rail as you're trying to get your bike. <laughs> try to remain, try to keep your balance. Yeah, you don't want to get the, uh, it's it's like the scene from Mission Impossible where you got the bead of sweat yeah. just rolling down your face. Yeah. So uh, what are some public behaviors that make you crazy? 312-981-7200. We've all been there. We've all been annoyed by people. Um, and, and seriously, though, and also that's another thing is, you know, not just getting on the subway, but also elevators. Let the people off the Let elevator the before you there. try to get on. I mean, it's just, it, I don't know. It, it, to me, it just makes sense. That's it's pretty simple. Well, that's the thing about common sense, Nick. It's not all that common. Yeah. All right. Uh, everyday things that people do to annoy other people, like how about humble bragging? Does that make you crazy? Uh, it doesn't. I, I just think it's just a jerk move. Like, oh, yeah, no, it's not a big deal. It's just $40,000, you know, $40,000 uh, vase. No big deal. Uh, we, we all have days when we're eager to share personal victory, but don't know how to bring it up without sounding like we're patting ourselves on the back. Unfortunately, in many cases, what comes out is worse, the humble brag or backdoor brag, a way of boasting without outright saying what you're proud of. For instance, quote, I had to hire a housekeeper because my new home was just too big for me to take care of it alone. A little humble bragging. Okay. Things that uh, people do that annoy you, public uh, behavior that uh, kind of makes you nuts, that's what we're talking about. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. All right. Hi, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories of a beautiful downtown Chicago. Here till 4, as we are every uh, weeknight, week morning. Uh, and that would be uh, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. 312-981-7200. We're talking about uh, things that people do every day that annoy other people and uh, really annoying public behavior, especially uh, involving public transportation. That just seems to be the place where people enjoy doing it the most, right? I think that's what it is. Don't know what happens. People get on the train, something something goes haywire in the brain. They go insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it. Are you a Cypress Hill fan? I am a Cypress Hill fan. All right. Well, I'll, I'll I put am a that Cypress Hill fan. You know, I've been compiling a list of Nick's favorite things. Yeah. No, I love Cypress Hill. Rock Superstar. I love that song. Used beautifully in Training Day, by the way. 
So, all right. Uh, let's see. Let's. We got some people calling in. If you got some uh, annoying public behavior, here's Larry on WGN. Go ahead, Larry. Hey, good morning, Nick. Yeah. Hope your dad's doing better, man. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, uh, the, before I get to my point, the metro thing I, on the train, you can't. It's, you can't bring a bike on before nine o'clock. Oh, okay. I did a couple, couple times just to ride downtown along the lakefront. But anyway, what ticks me off the most, you see, this not the train, but people driving and just throw cigarette butts out the window. Yeah. But I used when I, place I used to work at. When I come home, I'd sit on the porch, have a beer, you know. And this guy could, every day. I didn't know who he was, or you know, but found out he was my neighbor. Throw cigarette butts, and where I was living before. Especially in the fall, you know, this area was loaded with trees. You know, people rake their leaves and put them at the curb for right. the truck to pick them up. Right. Well, I took, I found out where he lived because he, I, one time I was behind him and he went around the corner and he parked in this other building. And uh, I took from work, you know, those little tubes, you know, people smoke their cigarettes and put them in there. Yeah. I filled up a, one of those white pails that they use, you know, they play the drums on downtown for yeah, the yeah. cigarette box. Yeah, yeah. And I dumped them right on his front stoop. Left them right there. <laughs> so, didn't see him after that, but I'm sure, you know, it, it must have put something in the brain, you know, think, hey, man, maybe I better not be throwing cigarette butts out. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. All right, Larry, thanks, it's man. This ignorant, man. Yeah, right, take care. Right, right. I will say this, though, man. You know, Tom, you weren't around in the 70s. Uh, in the 70s, people would just throw anything out their car windows, just throw garbage out, There's garbage everywhere. Well, I mean, there was that uh, public service commercial, one of the classic ones, with the Native American crying by the side of the road. Have you ever seen that? you remember that commercial? It's a legendary yeah, single one. tier. Single tier, because somebody throws a bunch of crap out on the highway. But that was the way it was in the 70s. And by the way, nobody picked up after their dogs in the 70s. Nobody. There was dog crap everywhere. I- I'm not kidding. Everywhere. So nobody would pick up after their dog in the 70s. That's a real pet peeve of mine. I really, really dislike that. Yeah. I mean, still today, you. I mean, it's not like it's every square foot, but um, the block I live on has a lot of dogs, mm-hmm. a lot of dogs. And you will see, <laughs> I feel bad for the uh, for the trash guys. God love them because they, they got to, you know, empty these public trash cans all the time. And it is literally up to the brim. With and plastic bags full. Plastic bags full of dog crap. And even then, there's still dog crap on the sidewalk. I was like... You know, just just think for two seconds. Two seconds. How would you feel? How would your day be kind of screwed up if you took a, a big step into a nice pile? Well, that you was a, that was an actual thing. Like the 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 risk of ste- of, of of actually stepping in dog poo. That was a real thing. Substantial like, threat. Yeah. No. I mean, it happened all the time. People mm-hmm. would step in dog poo all the time because it'd be it'd be dog crap everywhere. Seriously, nobody curbed their dog. Nobody cleaned up after their dog in the 70s. Just like, there it is. Whatever. Yeah. Leave, you know, it, for, I, leave it for the winter. <laughs> the winter. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad that uh, we came to our senses as a society. Well, yeah, but, I, but and, and again, littering was insane, too. I mean, yeah, just people yeah. just throwing stuff. They didn't, you know, they didn't care. I, I, I do think it's good that my... You know, for me, my internal instinct is, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to throw that away or I'm going to pocket it. Like if I have a little piece of like, you know, like say you had, you just opened a thing of gum 
you know, you're getting a stick of gum out, and you're like, ah, oh, there's nowhere to throw this wrapper. You pocket it for a bit. Well, yeah, and then you, you throw it you. when you get to a garbage yeah. can or something. The only problem is, is that sometimes I just forget that I've got a pocket full of like little bits of trash, like plastic or little paper, and then then uh, you get home and you empty in your pockets. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I look like an insane person because I get, you know, I'm going up to a public trash can. People look and there I am just emptying, emptying the, your pockets. the entire contents of my pocket. And people are probably thinking, dude, that guy's having a bad day. This is not good. He's having a rough day. Um, okay. Other things that uh, every people do every day that annoy other people. If you want to jump in, public uh, behavior annoyances, 312 981 7200. How about not standing on one side on an escalator? Oh, God. Come on, man. I will say, I think most people in Chicago have pretty much got that down to a science. It's it's kind of like robotic almost. You'll get off get off the L platform and you'll see people just automatically like, right to the right. Just stand to the right unless you got somewhere to go. Like because you got to got to have the fast lane. You got to have the passing lane. Absolutely. People are like because a lot of people don't want to stand on the escalator. No, they want to walk up. That's cool, man. So you get over get to the, I mean, it's nothing wrong with you standing on the, I, hey, listen, I stand on the escalator. Anytime I, I don't have to walk or climb anything, <laughs> I'll do that. As long as there's machines to take care of it for I'll me. I'll stand to the right. Stand to the right. Let Speedy Gonzalez just go No, up. I take advantage yeah. of anytime I don't have to move. It's fine with me. Um, it says, despite what many people seem to think, there are rules for using an escalator. Unless you really want to annoy other people, move to the right when you're standing still. And stick to the left side if you're walking up and down. Makes sense to me. Uh, how about this? Starting in order with, can I get a... Can I get a... Just because you're in a rush to get your morning coffee doesn't mean there's an excuse to be rude. However, despite our best intentions, many of us still place an order in cafes and bars and in restaurants with a can I get a... Instead of the more polite, may I please have? Yeah, can I get a vente venti coffee venti? You can tell I don't go to Starbucks. No. Can I get a large uh, popcorn with the... You get, put the butter in the middle, please. I'm sure you heard that a lot when you were working at the... the yeah, time. except they would usually throw an expletive in there. Can I get an yeah. effing... Uh, effing uh, That's good. That's nice. It's <laughs> charming. <laughs> How about not holding the door for the person behind you? Have you ever been in that? I think that's rude, but it, have you ever been in that situation where you're trying to judge how far away they are? Because if they're too yeah, no, far I, away. I, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll stand and I'll hold the door. I hold the door open. If somebody's behind me, I'll hold the door open. But how far behind you? You know, if they're, well, like, I mean, if they're four blocks away, I'm not going to well, hold. Well, not four blocks. I mean, you I know. Mean, come on. I, I mean, like, if they're just that, that little bit extra distance away where it's kind of awkward. Where you're holding the door open for them. I give a cursory, cursory glance, and I'm like, if this is, you know, if this guy's close enough, I'll push it open so that he can grab it and just kind of go on in. But yeah. you ever been stuck where you're holding the door for just a little bit too long? I guess. This guy's like, what, I mean, what is he doing? I guess. I don't know. How about holding in the elevator for, for someone? Well, I'll tell you what. I oftentimes, I get in the elevator. I'm just, close door, close door, close door. <laughs> I like being in elevators alone. If possible. Especially now. Yeah, now. I, I don't think anybody would give you a hard time well, about they restri- now. Well, they, they've know? restricted, uh, you know, at least, and I think, in every building It's now. like four people to Four people elevator. at the most, yeah. You, you stand can, at the four corners, yeah. Yeah, and they have a sticker on the floor that sh- tells you where to stand for safe distance. Plus, it gives you a nice little game. It's like, ooh, I'll stand over here. Yeah, you, know, you can stand you. on this cool little sticker that says you- stand here with little feet 
you hop from each spot. Yeah. It's like hopscotch in an elevator. Yeah. Only four people to an elevator now. This is how bored we're getting. Well, the thing is, you know, like we're, we, you know, we work the hours where there aren't four people on an elevator. <laughs> you don't have to worry about more than four people on the elevator when you work this shift. But yeah, not holding the, uh, not holding the door for the person behind you. So, uh, here's Randy on WGN. Hi, Randy. Hello. How you doing this morning? All right. What's up? Well, when I when my daughter was younger and we were sitting on the front porch in our house in the yard and there was dogs and cats that weren't that weren't oh, that were feral and these these animals were mating and my daughter said, "Daddy, what are they doing?" And the best thing I could come up with is said, "Well, they're just playing piggyback." Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was what you told her. They were just playing piggyback. Yep, I didn't I didn't get into it any farther because <laughs> And anyway, that that was an experience. That was hard. That was a, that's the quickest thing I could come up with. So okay. anyway, all right. Thanks, Randy. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We're gonna uh, take one more call here, and then we'll uh, get ready for uh, know your onion. Here's uh, Sue on WGN. Hi, Sue. Hi. Good morning. And uh, yeah, I, just a couple of things. Um, is uh, people not using their turn signals, oh, or yeah. not until the very last second? And also, people standing in the middle of any store department store grocery you know what there's a few more of us on the planet than just you <laughs> yeah so you mean standing and blocking so that you can't get by exactly yeah. they're like well should we get the spaghetti noodles or that or yeah no i know that happens all the time happens all the time at the jewel all the time i just the jewels that's right and yep you know just to be more aware of each other that's all i I'm totally saying. agree i totally agree thank you sue have a good one thanks you know, these things are not difficult that's the thing that makes me nuts it's not difficult to move to the right just so you're not blocking anybody. Move your, you know, here's another thing. How about people who just leave their shopping cart in the middle of the aisle? Oh, I've, yeah, I've never understood that. Leave the, the shopping cart's right in the middle of the aisle, and they're looking for something on the shelf. So they're blocking the right side. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the left side, there's your cart. Get it out of the way. Just bring it with you. How is it different? I mean, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it, but, you know, people are strange. Thank you, Jim Morrison. When you're a stranger. <laughs> All Faces right. look ugly All right, stop. when you're alone. Please, stop. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll get nauseous. Or is it nauseated? I'm not going to. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. uh, all right. Hey, the phone lines are open right now. First two callers in will be our players for Know Your Onion. We play this every Wednesday at 3.30, 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open. First two people in will be our contestants, and you win some prizes here. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200 for Know Your Onion. Call in right now. First two people will be our contestants. The idea is uh, Tom will read uh, some news headlines, and you have to guess whether they are real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. And if you get the majority right, you win prizes. That's how it works. You like to win things, don't you? Come on. So the phone lines are open. 312-981-7200. Phone lines are wide open, so call in right now. First two people in. 312-981-7200. And uh, we will play a little Know Your Onion.
Hi, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. Uh, we're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of our WGN crew. Get some morning news, early morning news from them. And then uh, the great Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312 981 is phone number. We have our two players. Every Wednesday at 3.30 a.m., we play a little thing called Know Your Onion. And this is when... Um, Tom will read you some news headlines, and you have to uh, you have to decide whether it is real or uh, whether it is from the Onion. Okay, uh, shall we uh, get this officially started? It's time to know your onion. Finest band in late night. That's that. All right, know your onion. Tom, are you ready for our first uh, contestant? Very ready. Okay, here's Linda on WGN. Hi, Linda. Hi. Hi, you familiar with The Onion? Oh, every Wednesday. Okay, all right, so you just have to figure out whether it's a real headline or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. All right, okay. Tom? Let's get a little question music, or headline music, rather. All right, Linda, your first headline... Listen carefully. The NRA declares bankruptcy as more Americans realize that martial arts are the best way to defend your family. Is that real or is that the onion? Onion. Well, let's see. Woo-hoo! Very good. That is the onion. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yes. Okay. Declaring bankruptcy, the NRA. All right. One for one, Linda. Nice job. Here we go. All right. Linda, next headline, high schools add cardboard students between distance desks to maintain normal feeling of oversized classes. Is that real or is that the onion? Real. Well, let's see. No. Oh, that is the onion. That was the onion. Okay. Yes. All right. Sorry. Okay. All right. Okay. You're one and one, Linda. Okay. Uh, let's do it. Let's do the next one. Here we go. All right. Linda, your next headline Children can now work from home alongside their parents with newest Fisher-Price playset. Is that real or is that the onion? Real. Well, let's see. Very nice. good. Yeah. Nice Fish- job. Fisher-Price has introduced a little uh, keyboard and screen with a cell phone that kids can play with and work from home alongside their parents. Because their parents are working from home now. Exactly. That's pretty cute. I think it is kind of cute. Yeah. So now they can... future entrepreneurs. Exactly. That's (laughs) (laughs) Future future enterprises from uh, Risky Business. Now they can understand the crushing daily tasks of working from home. I wonder if if uh, their computer is going to malfunction, if their little computer is going (laughs) to... Oh, God. (laughs) All right, Linda, one more and you're a winner. All right, Linda, your next headline. Study confirms that painting eyes on cow butts helps ward off predators. Is that real or is that the onion? Real. Let's see. Wow. That's a jackpot. Nice job. That's real? Yes, a uh, recent study confirmed that farmers who painted eyes on cow uh, <laughs> behinds were less likely to have their cows be bothered by uh, potential predators. That's nuts. That is That's really... what happens when you come from Fairbury, Illinois. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I should paint eyes on my butt. Yeah, and walk backwards. <laughs> um, 
What was that? See, you're so ugly. Uh, that dog's so ugly. I shave his butt and make him walk backwards. Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> All right, uh, Linda. Congratulations. You won a seventy-five dollar gift certificate for Green Tea Home Services. While you're spending so much time at home, take advantage of green tea carpet cleaning service, air duct purification, and garage door maintenance. You can call 805-GREEN-TEA, or you can go to greenteaservices.com. Congratulations, Linda. Hold the line, okay? They just called me for duct cleaning, too. Oh, they did? Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so hold on, Linda. you got to hang on. Okay, you. hold the line like Toto. All right. Uh, 312-9817. Well, I don't know why I'm giving out the number. Here's Eileen on WGN. She's our second contestant. Hi, Eileen. Hi, are you familiar with The Onion? I certainly am. My niece's husband used to run it. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. All right, well, then you know The oh. Onion. No question about it. So you just have to guess whether these news headlines are real or from The Onion. Okay, Tom? Okay. All right. A little Spanish flea, thanks to Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I love it, man. All right, Eileen, your first headline. Two German soccer teams played a game completely naked in an act of protest. Is that real or is that the onion? Wow, Germany? I would say that that is real. Let's see. Excellent! Very good. What were they protesting? Uh, They were protesting uh, racial stereotyping in soccer. So that's why they took their clothes off? Yeah, they wanted to show uh, solidarity, I guess. They, what? Uh, let me, <laughs> it's, and also corruption as well, it looks like. Uh, uh, they were... I don't understand. They took off their clothes to play a soccer game to uh, protest football's governing body, FIFA, uh, for alleged rampant, systemic, and deep-rooted corruption. With my nude actions, I also want to set an example for diversity and naturalness and, and against the dependence and influence of social media uh-huh. and false ideals of beauty. Yeah, okay. That sounds like a really good excuse to strip down naked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. my God. And they really did not. They, You can see that photo online. All right. I'd rather not. Yeah. Uh, all right, Eileen. Good. One for one. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, your next headline, Eileen. Uh, NASA announces plans to launch chimpanzee into the sun. Is that real or is that the onion? I'm hoping that's the onion. Let's see. Woo-hoo! Very good. It's got to be the onion. <laughs> Launching a chimpanzee into the sun. <laughs> it's, it's too funny. Oh, God. What was, it? what was that joke, the old joke? It's like uh, the, the the stupid astronaut said, hey, listen, uh, I want to take it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the uh, I'm gonna go to the sun. And the other astronaut says, wait a minute, you'll burn to death. He goes, it's okay, I'll go at night. <laughs> All, right. Oh, All right. Two for two, Eileen. All right. One more and you're a winner. All right. Okay. Your next headline, Berlin brothels reopen after lockdown, but no sex allowed. Is that real or is that the onion? I'm getting all the German ones. I'm going to say that's real. Let's see. Whoa. Well, why is a brothel opening with no sex? I don't understand that. How, and then, that's not a brothel. It's just a house. It's a place you can pay $500 for a really good conversation. I, that just doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, look at that. Three in a row, Eileen. That's very impressive. Thank you. You are a winner. Thank you. $75 gift certificate. 
from Green Tea Home Services. And while you're spending so much time at home, take advantage of Green Tea Carpet Cleaning Service, Air Duct Purification, and Garage Door Maintenance. You can call 800-5-GREEN-TEA, or you can go to greenteaservices.com. Green Tea Services. All right. All right, Eileen, hang on, okay? Okay, thank okay, you. Thanks, thanks for playing. Hold on, and uh, Tom will get to you and uh, and uh, get that information to you and win your prizes. We'll do it again next week. If you want to be a part of it, uh, 3.30 every Wednesday morning, you call 312-981-7200. If you're uh, one of the first two callers, you are a contestant, and you could win some prizes and answer some fun uh, questions concerning news headlines and The Onion. So there you go. All right, uh, we are talking about everyday things that people do that annoy everybody. And then we are also talking about uh, really annoying public behavior, particularly on uh, public transportation. Uh, All right, how about this one? Refusing to walk single file in a crowded sidewalk. That's that's, that's annoying. Uh, Sometimes you're so in love with a new significant other or so wrapped up in conversation with your friends that you don't want to stop walking in step with them. Uh, But this presents a very annoying situation for practically any pedestrian near you. They either have to slow down to walk at your pace or try to get around you, often to no avail. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a that's a pet peeve, I think, of a lot of people. You know, the the sharing of the sidewalk or the uh, I I should say the not sharing of the sidewalk. Um, So uh, if you want to jump in here with uh, some annoying um, behaviors that in public. Or, or things that people do that annoy other people. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. How about singing uh, singing along to a song like you're trying to win a Grammy? Uh, we all sing along to songs sometimes, regardless of our actual skill level. However, the one thing more annoying than listening to someone's off-key rendition of "Don't Stop Believing" is listening to them try to deliver an American Idol-worthy performance when the rest of you are just goofing off. <laughs> Singing a song like you're trying to win a Grammy. Uh, annoying. All right. Uh, how about this? Not returning your shopping cart. I totally agree with this. I totally agree. Uh, just leaving the shopping cart, you know, in the in the parking lot, just sitting there. Um, sure, we all have those times when bringing the cart back to the store seems like more trouble than it's worth. That said, there's virtually nothing more annoying than finding a perfect parking spot in front of the store to realize that it's occupied by someone else's runaway cart. Well, you know, they've made it easier now. You don't have to bring the cart all the way back to the store. They have those uh, places where you can, you know, those, those little uh, places where you can put the carts in the middle of the parking lot. There's several of them, you know, at the at the jewels where my dad works. Those, uh, what do you call those things that you put the shopping cart? There's a name for them, right? A corral. Corral, there you go. The shopping cart. They have the shopping cart corrals that are sprinkled throughout the parking lot. So you don't even have to bring the the cart back to, all the way back to the store. So there's no excuse for just leaving the cart. And people still do it. I think that's genuinely the greatest test of how someone was raised. Yeah. I really do is the shopping cart corral because it it, it, co- yeah. it costs you virtually nothing. It is simply for the sake of other people yeah. to, to maintain order. But it, it's so. there. There's like four or five of them in the parking lot where my dad at my dad's jewel. Okay, and I still see strand you know, carts just you know in the middle of the parking lot. 
And we're like, well, how hard was it? How hard is it to just walk a few feet over to the corral and push the cart into the corral? How hard is that? And that's what I'm saying. That tells you a lot about a person. I'm serious. Go If you're not sure about someone, go grocery shopping with them. <laughs> and take, see if they return the cart. If they don't return the cart, you drop them like a bad habit. That's uh-huh. all I'm going to say. Okay. Did you get that advice from Ann Landers? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what what are, what are public uh, um, uh, behaviors that drive you nuts? Things that everyday people do that uh, that annoy you. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Great song. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, our, our buddies on the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from them, and then back here to the great Bob Surratt for your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We've been talking about um, everyday uh, behavior in public that's annoying. Here's a few more real quick, and then we'll get to the phones. Talking ad, nause- ad nauseum about you, how busy you are. Um, how about looking at your phone when you're talking to someone in person? That's annoying. Tapping your feet. Sometimes that's just a nervous habit, though. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. I'm a tapper. Uh, I do that. I yeah, I do that every once in a while too. Like well, you get the knee going. Yeah, you get the knee going. But I'm especially bad with the hands. I'll just tap on any surface. I'll do that sort of thing. Um, how about parking too close to the line in a parking lot? Mm. How about? Parking over the lines in a parking lot. Over the line. Yeah. Park uh, at zero. Here's Bruce on WGN. Hi, Bruce. Hey, Nick. How you doing? All right. What's up? Hey, how about going to any big box store or any grocery store? Instead of parking in the parking lot, people park in the fire lane right next to the building and put their hazards on. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's completely ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to say uh, any police officers out there, thank you for what you do, and please give these people a ticket. Okay. All right, Bruce. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right. All right. There you go. And thank you, yes, for what you do. We appreciate it. Well, I like to I, I like to say that people in Chicago use their hazard lights as the park anywhere button. Oh yeah. No. 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 It's okay. I have my hazards on. It's okay Definitely. to double. It's okay to double park. It's almost never okay unless you're like a food delivery guy or something like that. Which I mean, you're doing what you gotta do. If you can pull over, food delivery guy, yeah, please. But if you gotta double park for thirty seconds to bring some here's, food to someone, here's the it's thing okay. that's it's here's fine. the thing that's nuts. Sometimes we come in, we take you know, we get on, um, we get off at Ohio, and we take Ohio down to Michigan, and then you know, Michigan across the across the uh, the river to here. Um. You know, Ohio's a, a, a one-way street. It's four lanes, it's one way. It's it's east, one way east. Um, you know where Italy is? The Mar- Mario Batali sort of like um, mm-hmm. restaurant mall? Yeah. Okay. Can I can't tell you how many times people are double parked and taking up that right lane. This is Ohio. You don't double park on Ohio. Well, you don't double, you know, you shouldn't double park anywhere, like I said. But they put their hazards on and then they're sitting there. And, you know, it's a very busy street. Ohio's a really busy street. Four lanes eastbound. Eastbound and down, like Jerry Reed. And 
you got to go around. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. It's it's just ridiculous. Especially if for some reason it's right by Italy. Like people love to double park in front of Italy so they can get their Nutella. Oh, it's so annoying. Here's Murray on WGN. Hi, Murray. Uh, hi, morning, guys. Uh, I fly a lot for work, and when the plane is landing, they make the announcement to put away your bigger electronics and laptops. And there's always a person sitting across the aisle from me who refuses to close their yeah. laptop. I guess their work is way more important than everybody else's uh, safety or whatever else. Yep. And they have to be, a flight attendant will walk by three or four times and tap them and say, please close it. And they walk away and they're still typing away. That drives me nuts. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. That's not. That's very selfish. A lot of these things, a lot of these behaviors just come from selfishness. There's no question about it, as we discover. Like you said, common sense is not common anymore. Yeah, exactly. All right, thank you, Murray. Thanks. All right. Uh, here's Randy on WGN. Hi, Randy. Good morning. Love your show, Nick. Thank you. Hey, how about when you're standing in line and the person next to you is just smacking gum, cracking, chewing with their mouth open? You're, you're in an elevator just with them. Yeah. Oh, takes my hair stand up. I, I, totally, I totally say, if you're chewing something, keep your mouth closed. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Randy. Take care, buddy. Have a great day. You too. Yeah. You ever see the Flamingo Kid? <laughs> <laughs> the Flamingo Kid with Matt Dillon? Uh, you know what? I haven't. It's a great movie, directed by the late, great Gary Marshall. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely film. Um, uh, he has this habit of, like, he, you know, ever since he was a kid, the character, of when he would eat, he would go, nom, 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 nom. he would, like, hum when he would eat. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's, you know, at this girl's house. Richard Crenna plays her father, and Richard Crenna was great in it. And, um, and he's having dinner there. And uh, doesn't even realize that, you know, th- like they don't know it. His family knows it, like his mother, father, brother, and stuff like that, and his sister. They all know that he goes, nom, 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 when he eats. But they, but this is the first time he's ever been at this girl's family's house, and he's having dinner. And he starts going, nom, 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 while he's chewing, and everybody at the table is like, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with this kid? Well, you know, nowadays we'd call that ASMR. Yeah. You know, like like this. Yeah. That sounds like one of the sound effects from our Halloween sound effects CD, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, Kathy on WGN. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hi. I love your show. Thank you. What's annoying is when you're grocery shopping in the store, somebody's standing in the aisle with their cart in the middle, and they're talking on the cell phone, pretending like nobody else needs to get down that aisle. Yeah. You know, my dad works at Jewel. I don't know if you know that or not, Kathy, but my dad works at the Jewel's uh, Bag and Groceries, and uh, he says the most annoying thing is when people are checking out while they're talking on the phone. Like people do that, they do they do that regularly. Like the, the checker is trying to talk to them to try to have that transaction, and they're meanwhile they're on the phone yapping away. Uh, and my exactly. dad, my, yeah, my dad says that's incredibly annoying when they do that. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. I agree with them. All right, thanks, Kathy. Thanks. Okay. I used to have people try to get movie tickets while they were on the phone. Would you tell them to get off the phone? Oh, I just I just wouldn't do anything. They'd be like, uh, they'd be like, hey, what what are you what are we seeing? What are we? Hold on, what? And uh, they'd just be talking on the phone. You know, I'd I'd go co- I'd go to greet them, and they'd be like, you know, give me the gesture like I'm, I'm on, on the, the phone. phone. And then, well, then uh, why are you here? Exactly right. 
And Why are you in line? Wait till you get off the phone, then get, get in line to get your tickets. I and mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, uh, usually I'd hit him with the, oh, are, are you are you're finished now? And he'd be like, do, do, no reason to be rude. I was like, okay. Yeah. No, that was rude. Like that you talking on the phone while we're trying to have a transaction. Yeah. Here. The customer is always right is the worst thing to ever happen yeah. to uh Let to me anybody. guess. They were going to see Mamma Mia. They might have been, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good guess. <laughs> How about this one? Finishing a food item and putting the container back in the fridge. Yeah. I mean, I, I live alone, so it doesn't matter. No, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't do that. You know what I mean? I don't put, I don't put like, an empty container back in my fridge. But, uh, you know, if you have a roommate or you're married or something like that, that's insane. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I'm a real jerk. I don't know wh- how I started doing this, but I always felt bad about being the per- last person to eat the last of something. So <laughs> I would always leave, like, one slice of turkey. Come on, and my mom would man. be like, what are you doing? What? Just eat the turkey. We'll get more turkey. I was like, I don't want to be the last one. All right. How about this one? Talking at the movies. That's it right there. That We're going to close on that one. <laughs> We've all had that experience, and it's incredibly annoying. Don't talk when you're in a movie theater. Okay. Uh, we uh, got the uh, early morning news coming up.